I am in a metro station at the moment. It's the early hours of the morning here. This is obviously the glamour of the World Cup beat. So it's the odd siren alarm message in the background. It's been a long day, but I feel, I feel like just in case people think I've been in some kind of situation where uh, I don't have some kind of fraud, unusual situation. I'm just on the floor of a train station. Black stars shine, Serbia stumble, and Bruno's one-two punch puts Portugal into the knockout stages. We're joined by Daniel McDonnell, who took in two games yesterday, the first of which was a morning feast for those of us in Ireland. It's Cameroon and Serbia served up a six-goal thriller. Dan, it probably seems like a long time ago now, but it was one of those kind of classic World Cup games that you don't necessarily expect much from and then kind of sucks you in. Yeah, it's always the case um, in a tournament that there's an unexpected game that sort of ignites uh, now, in fairness, there was two on the day with the, the South Korea Ghana game as well. Um, but yeah, I mean, not going to lie, like it's the final early start of the tournament. Um, when the alarm's going off, you're thinking, oh, Cameroon, Serbia, like, it's it, not sure what type of game this can be. Um, you know, should I just look, should I just bank and wait for something would, later? Would in you the be day? missed? Would you be missed? I mean, yeah. unlikely to be missed. Uh, I think. You know, I could get away with it, but not attending and, and possibly not be on the FIFA blacklist. So they have to be careful with these things. Um, but no, listen, um, I, I was always going to go. Um, there's, there's enough of a sort of a, a League of Ireland martyr in me to like go to possibly the more obscure game uh, and, and talk about being there. But now, of course, I could talk about being there forever because uh, it was one of the best games of the tournaments. But um, tournament, but yeah, really warm day. Bacon hot day. I'm not sure again these things necessarily come across, um, and the stadium was was shaded enough. So I don't know, like it, it, you know, the conditions maybe in some way can explain some of the, like the fatigued mistakes, um, and how it became a little bit stretched. Like genuinely, probably it's possibly the warmest day since I've been here. So um, th- that's one thing with those early games that maybe in the evening time. Uh, from now on, it's like 6 p.m. and 10 p.m. local, and that's going to be out of the equation. But it was, it was great, really. I mean, Serbia, to me, are an absolutely baffling international side. I, I was sort of writing about this in the piece. I mean, their record since uh, the turn of the century is crazy. But they haven't qualified for a Euros since the year 2000. Uh, and we know that they keep expanding it every year to allow more teams uh, to participate in it. Or, you know, there's been a significant evolution in that time. But they've qualified for four World Cups. So, like... The, it's like someone who does like the really hard crossword puzzle and, and sort of can't can't do the, the simpler one. You know, the, the problem is that when they get there to the tournaments themselves, they just tend to flop. And um, they've they've they're they've from been in a position at three one where you're thinking how many? Uh, they sort of have flopped again. I mean, they're not dead, um, but I, you know, they need to produce something special against Switzerland, who haven't been bad. Um, so. I mean, it was in their hands, and they've let it slip. And um, but you know, it was great entertainment. I wasn't quite like Joseph and Doe running around when the when the second and third goals went in. But I suppose for Pico Lopez, um, his old buddy Abubakar left his mark with that sort of delicious lob. So yeah, for for an early start, it uh, delivered quite a few decent World Cup moments, has to be said. Yeah, had everything you wanted. The little the little finish for Abubakar's goal probably helped with the fact that he thought he was offside where you know they balls played through and for all the world everyone in the stadium like no one celebrates it's it's one of those weird things that you know when you when you look up 
great World Cup goals, that could be one of the great World Cup goals. And every other great World Cup goal, I mean, you know, Marco Tardelli is one of the famous ones, the famous celebrations. There's various other great goals scored over the years, all of which have spontaneous celebrations immediately afterwards. Whereas this, he produces this lob from the edge of the 18-yard box, which is absolutely beautiful finish. And everyone just sort of looks around and stops. It was it was so, so strange. He did a little dance now, in fairness to him, after he, after after VAR gave it to him. But um, yeah, it was it was it'll be a strange one to look back on, not to explain it. Well, I suppose like, you know, you know, you teach sort of schoolboy or schoolgirl footballers, you know, play the whistle. I think now like a version of it is to like just, you know, even if you're offside, imagine the VAR could give this goal. Like, you know, just just always always shoot. Always take the chance. I mean it's obviously a grey area because you, you sort of you can get sort of uh you can get booked for kicking the ball away if you take a shot uh after the whistle goes, but now that you're in yeah. this sort of uh uncomfortable area now to be fair, right? Uh, I don't think Serbia can use that as too much of an excuse because they all did keep playing. Like they they were trying. Absolutely. But I kind of oh, wonder. Yeah, yeah. I wonder would the instinctive effort have been tried if he? Uh, I don't know if he knew he was definitely onside. It's it's sort of hard to 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 speculate on that. If there's any sound effects here, by the way, I have to clarify just for the, the the listener, the viewer. I am in a metro station at the moment. It's the early hours of the morning here. This is obviously the glamour of the World Cup beat. So it's the odd siren alarm message in the background um just having a little bit of color to the proceedings here but um it's been a long day but I, f- I feel like just in case people think i'm in some kind of situation where uh i don't have some kind of fraught unusual situation i'm just on the floor of a train station and the train station backdrop might just uh you know bit a bit of a give us a little bit of a flavor of what it's like here because really the one thing i would say about like attending this world cup is that you spend a lot of time in metro stations, like big sprawling grand metro stations. So uh, it wouldn't be a proper World Cup effort if we didn't do a show from here. That's kind of one of those, like a modern day version of, for those of you watching in black and white, where, you know, we've got people listening to this, you've got people watching it and watching it would see your splendid background. I was going to ask about it. It's uh, full of World Cup flags. Is that what that's Yeah, I think, I've got, I think I've got Ghana over my shoulder. Uh, I'm not sure who I'm sitting in front of. Uh, it looks like I might be in a maybe a Mexican element. It's very unclear. Mexican, yeah, I think it's Mexican. Yeah, yeah. I'm not sure who's behind me, but um, yeah, I mean, said like these. There's, a, there's still a lot of Brazil fans knocking around here because um, I did manage to, to to get into the Brazil gate. Mm-hmm. That was the that was the thing I was chatting about yesterday. But I think FIFA have just got to the stage now where it's like there's a lot of empty seats in these stadiums, so. We're really not mm-hmm. going to be rejecting media people from even overflow sections, almost to the point that, I mean, I went in, so there's a waiting list process that you have to go through. Get to the media center at 9 a.m., put yourself on the list for a game that you haven't applied for, but you might want to go later that day. Uh, the whole rigmarole is earlier in the week, someone would put their name down and they'd have to sit around and wait until two hours before kickoff for the, for the, for the green or the red. And if it's green, you have to like sprint to the stadium and get your ticket printed and all of that. Um, well, I went in. It was around half nine when I got there because it's not first come, first served. I uh, I put my name on the list. We've got some Brazil fans in the background here. Uh, I put my name on the list. And within five minutes, I got an email to say I was in. So they've clearly just decided, listen, we, we, a lot of these stadiums aren't full. So yeah, let's just uh, roll it out. Now, I got there and my media seat was effectively uh, a media seat in the middle of the crowd with just a sticker with media on it. It wasn't really in the media section, in the press area. 
but uh got to be a lot of brazilian fans around me they were belting out the anthem so i noticed a lot of stuff about you know fake brazilian fans and uh, there might be a, a couple of them around the place but i will say that the anthem singing was very good uh, in my area so there was a sort of a general uh, genuine vibe to uh, the brazilian fans here i mean i'm talking about all of this because the game itself wasn't especially that good um no but that's almost the thing about this the brazil thing right people say you know the world cup doesn't start till brazil are in it there's almost this glamour this sense of i'm at a brazil game like there's a sort of a mystique around it there's a magic around it um but really you know <laughs> like this brazil side like the the occasions are great uh but, but the games themselves really aren't you know yeah i think that's i was had sort of concerns for brazil if you like where I thought they might slip up in the first couple of games. It's hip to draw in this game. And in, in some ways, it's like they're going to be battle-hardened by the time they get out of the group. You know, they're, they're out of the group, obviously. But they're going to be... They haven't been impressive, but yet they've managed to win. And they're going to have another tough game because Cameroon are obviously fighting for their lives to get through. But they have found a way. And like in this... It's hard to know. I don't know, Dan, if you caught up on a kind of a vibe about it. But like this... Sometimes, sometimes in this part of the world where people aren't as big a fan of Neymar as you know they can be, or as they are in Brazil, without him, for all the kind of talk you'd say about him, that he doesn't, you know, he plays for himself and all that kind of stuff. They did seem to miss him today when they looked, you know, when they when they look around looking for the talisman. Um, I mean, Casemiro stepped up obviously, but the, the kind of the kind of flair and a bit of X factor that they're probably going to need if they're going to win this tournament was missing today. Yeah, I mean, they were able to bring in Rodrigo and Bruno later on. And it's true, like, you know, Fred like did start basically in Neymar's place and it was a little bit sort of, you know, flat. But then you hear, like, you know, Tiche, the coach, like, talk about effectively, you know, they were very much, sometimes they've listened to trap or someone, like, you know, very much, let's talk up the strengths of the opponents. You have to be careful about the opponents. And, and I mean, Switzerland are a very good side, pretty very underrated side. Mm-hmm. Um, but... I mean, it's about sort of having that platform in the game so you're you're not beaten, you know. And then they've actually stepped it up in the end of the matches and then they have the bench to come on. And they have a sort of a tournament-winning formula there, potentially, unless they, like, you know, they start very slowly in the game against a quality side who suddenly get ahead. And, and I don't know, they, Brazil... You've seen them. I mean, they got done by Belgium in 2018 and people sort of thought Brazil were creeping through it and... Then they just got they got done on the day by a team with a very good tactical plan. That was just Belgium mm-hmm. peaking, as we now know. Um, so so I don't know. I mean, I was um, I did. I mean, like just because Irish internationals everywhere here. I did. I did actually ended up watch the the second half of Kevin Clavan, who's is here working for Canadian TV, and he was making the point, and it's just like the classic sort of, you know, the the ex pros eye that Brazil, no matter what was going on in the pitch, they always had like four men behind the ball. You know, as in, okay. like, there was, like, even if a fullback went forward, you know, Casemiro would drop back and there was Drop-in. always a block. And, and it's maybe not as visible on TV, um, but you did notice that there was basically a real conservatism about them, which meant that you never really felt that they were going to uh, concede. As much as Switzerland had a couple of moments, it wasn't like uh, the chances that even France have given away or England have given away. Yeah. It, it, wasn't, it wasn't quite like that. So... Um, I mean, you listen, as I said, you listen to the, to the way they speak and it's very much about the system. The system, the system, mm-hmm. the system. That's very much what they're talking about. So uh, I know you're saying it's a tough game against Cameroon, 
but I feel they'll be able to manage that pretty well, I think, and um, they move on. But yeah, a lot of stuff about Neymar naturally, and maybe the best of both worlds here because I think if they've been uh, sparkling without him, there would have been this whole Neymar circus around. Uh, should should he even be playing, um, yeah. which could have become a sort of a distraction in itself. I guess one team with a talisman, a bit like Neymar, who has plenty of controversy around him at times for selfish players, Cristiano Ronaldo. Himself and Portugal were decent last night, but they didn't need to be much more than decent against Uruguay, who are now facing up against Ghana. And Ghana have a chance for a bit of revenge to put them out on Friday. Yeah, I, I, I'm not going to lie. I mean, it's I, I didn't see all of this game. I was sort of coming back off the Brazil match and uh, I suppose saw the second half. Um, I thought there's been nil all. Like, it didn't surprise me that it was sort of tight. Um, of course, Ronaldo didn't score, um, much to the disappointment of himself and Pierce Morgan and, and uh, whoever else. I mean, who else do you even think about with Ronaldo now? That, that's, that's what you think of. I mean, you know, the definition of greatness is when you're associated with Pierce Morgan. Yeah, there was a great line on commentary from Ali McCoy saying that he reckoned that Ronaldo got a touch to Fernandez's penalty. That. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I think, like, I, I mean, I, 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 I don't know. Did I, did I read somewhere that Ali McCoy was, was praising him as a great header from Ronaldo earlier on as well, too? Um, or certainly one of the commentators yeah. might have been doing that. It's sort of one of those things that when you call it, do you like, roll back in it? Because uh, I'll be honest, I mean, like, you know, commentary is commentary is tough. As is doing a podcast from a metro station. Yeah, it's actually it's a very good point. Um, it's just this is just the, this is this is uh, Ronaldo's people controlling any discussion around them. Um, now, like, I mean, he, he, I, I mean, he was in the right place, wasn't he? You know, he 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 would have been ruled offside. Um, you know, if he had been offside, if you know what I mean, because like his presence uh, distracted the goalkeeper in some way. Um, so, you know, he got involved. But to be fair, right, strip aside all the Ronaldo stuff and uh, and, and he, he, he inevitably end up going down that road. I mean, Portugal have been pretty... Like, that's a pretty solid win. Like, for a team who had that sort of crazy yep. ending to, to the to the Ghana match, and they played a, a decent Uruguay side on paper who'd probably been pretty underwhelming, to be honest, relative to the other South American teams. Uh, and they've sort of done a decent job on them. Um, so... Like they're probably a team that I, I don't fancy to go particularly far in the tournament, but if you can sort of get through this sort of group phase without a huge amount of stress and you can rest and you know and, and have the option to sort of not be too motivated by the last game, like do what you gotta do to secure a top spot maybe. Um Yeah, like you know, they've they've you know, with this congested tournament, a little bit of a rest for one or two of your better players can 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 sort of mean a lot because you go straight into the knockouts. There's no day off or something in there. Um, they're really sort of cramming it in, and then you can take a breath after the quarterfinals. So, uh, sorry, take a breath before the quarterfinals. So, like any team that can Mm -hmm. really take a breather in the third group game, um, it'll stand to them. So we know we'll have four of the last sixteen by tonight. Uh, We've. Obviously, as you said earlier on, it's the end of the well, the ten o'clock games Irish time. So the, the first two games today are three o'clock: Ecuador, Senegal, Netherlands, and Qatar. You're going to Netherlands and Qatar, I believe. I am. Yeah. I. I mean, I'm getting a lot of strange looks when I say to people uh, I'm going to it. Um, but you could argue, right? I and mean, this is honestly the best policy. You could argue it's the fourth most uh, important game on the day, um, in the sense that there's something riding heavily on the other three, and we don't expect probably the Netherlands have any issues, but I haven't seen Qatar play. 
I mean, it might be the only chance in my life to see Qatar play in a World Cup in Qatar. I mean, I think there's a unless they do a really good job on bidding. Um, and I mean, would you rule them out? Um, but it's, it's possibly unlikely I'll see Qatar play a game in Qatar again. And I sort of just want to see that. I mean, people say that the games are uh, just slightly unusual in their own way. They've got the, the, the hardcore fans uh, singing the, the songs, you know, are they from Qatar? Are they from Lebanon? Who knows? You can only speculate, but some people have got really stuck into it. Um, would, would feel they have evidence uh, to, to, to challenge the party line on it. So I do, I do want to see it. So, um, yeah, I mean, Louis van Gaal is, is, seems to be in decent form. He's, he's thrown out a couple of one-liners across the competition. I saw uh, he even gave some journalist a hug. Probably shouldn't be in the press conference, really, but still. Um, no. It was a, what would they say? It's a, in, in, in modern language, it was a classy gesture, you know, uh, Louis van Gaal hugs a fan and everyone is saying the same thing or something. Like it was one of these, uh, yeah. one, of these one of these special viral moments. But I, I'm, I guess I'm just justifying my decision, but I'm hoping there might be a little bit of, uh, you know, pull out a few anecdotes from it and a little uh, observations that mean when I come home. I think, I think seeing a Qatar game probably is the full picture. A lot of people saw them in the opening day against yeah. Ecuador and got their flavour of that. I was in Malta. There you go. You could try and maybe get a hug yourself tomorrow from Louis. Maybe refer back to Lansdowne Road in 2001 or something like that. Yeah, if you, see you me going for, if you see me going for a hug with a manager, call call, call my family. I'm, I'm in danger. <laughs> <laughs> we'll get to predictions in a minute. But speaking of press conferences and that, there's been a bit of bit of flavor with uh, Iran and USA in, over the last couple of days. And I mean, it's it's... I guess a, a grudge match is probably putting it a bit mildly given the relationship between the two countries over the years, but it's certainly flared up again in the last couple of days. Well, see, it sort of has, right? But, I mean, you're sort of listening to, uh, yeah, I mean, you've got, you've got the questions, which you would be suspicious about, like, is this some kind of uh, uh, Iranian state media angle trying to, like, turn the scrutiny on uh, American foreign policy, but you know, at the same time, there's been some in- informed reportage from people who suggest that, like a lot of the Iranian protesters, would potentially look to like America now as allies. You know, like that, that they might look for some degree of support from them. So there's all these games around the game here, um, mm-hmm. and I have to admit, like, I mean, in in the if I wasn't going to Netherlands, Qatar, the game I would like to go to would be. Uh, Iran against the USA because I just think there's there's so much going on around it. Like the the Iran Wales game was a brilliant event, a stunning event, highly charged. Uh, I'm not going to repeat myself, but you add in the sort of uh, the fact that it's a a really really important game for both sides. It's sort of um, it's the end for for one of them. You would think um, can't seem to be the end for for both of them. Um, so. Yeah, I mean, it's 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 you can't avoid the geopolitical aspects of this tournament. You know, you had a protester running on the pitch in the Portugal game. Um, there's just you know the, you've had the Jurgen Klinsmann stuff with Carlos Queiroz, which we haven't really touched on, um, but mm-hmm. sort of uh, extraordinary as well. Where sort of Queiroz going on Twitter calling out Klinsmann uh, with a sort of a mic drop line at the end about needing to resign from a FIFA committee before he comes to to see them. Um, so. Yeah, I, I feel like, uh, again, I understand that, and I'm not going to be hypocritical, we'll probably carry more coverage of England-Wales um, than, than the other games, and, and you understand why that is. There's obviously huge interest in England. We'll talk about them here. 
with guests and, and we're, we're sort of very interested with our progress, but it's not the most interesting game tomorrow for me at all. No, and even we might get into our predictions now. I don't even on the pitch, like I, I, I can't see it being a particularly interesting game. I'd go for England 3 1 with Harry Kane to get a couple and get himself going. The familiarity with Welsh defenders will be very helpful to him. I think they might, England tend to have like one, one game in a group where they go way over the top and how brilliant they are, and one game where they go way over the top and how poor they were. And usually you find somewhere in the middle. So I think tomorrow's or today's game will be somewhere in the middle for them. Yeah, I, I can see that. I feel like Wales, right? I mean, I don't know, it's like the Diane Wasp thing or something like that. You know, can they be that um, bad again? Like, I mean, this is potentially like the last hurrah for some of these guys, for some of their big name players at a major tournament. I feel like, you know, there's the derby element. Does it really go down? Did it go down that quietly? Um, I, I don't know. I, I'm not sure if I'm feeling the 3 1 as a scenario. Um, I can see England winning the game, um, but maybe it might just be a sort of a, I don't know, a 1-0 that's finally poised um, mm-hmm. as opposed to being a comfortable win. But I, I, mean, I guess we're both envisioning the same scenario, just maybe in slightly different ways. Around USA now, for me, um, mm. I find that one very, very tough to go because we've seen two different Irans really in two two games. Um I, I actually feel like the USA might might do this. Um, I'm not sure. I don't have a real great basis or foundation for it, but um, maybe USA in a 2-1 for me in that one. Yeah, I'm going to go for 1-0 USA in this myself. I just, I just feel that they've, you know, if you, if you take the 180 minutes of the two, game, two games they've played for probably all bar 25, 30 minutes, they were very good. They were well in the game yeah. against Wales. And they just kind of, they they got lost a little bit, but that isn't really the same for for Iran. So I think USA would probably be a just be a little bit too strong for them go with it. But you know it's it's going to be emotionally charged, whatever way whatever way happens. Um, and then I suppose without uh, rubbing it in too much, the game you're at tomorrow, Netherlands at Qatar. I'll, I'll pick a number and go four 0 Netherlands just to you know it's it's one of those games you you can it's almost it almost feels like a pick a number game. Yeah, maybe 2-0. I, I see RT are showing Ecuador-Senegal, I think, as well. So it's that wonderful position of, uh, uh, you know, being. it's very odd to be the World Cup game that not everyone in the world is watching. Like, generally, that's that sense of, like, when you have these staggered kickoffs, like, you know, millions, billions, or maybe not billions at the group stage, but, like, millions of people are watching every every match. And um, it's... Uh, but then you get to these sort of group stage games where it looks the two at once and something mad can happen in the second game uh wasn't it years ago did, did england hammer holland in euro 96 but i have a funny feeling that that wasn't on tv in a couple of places or it wasn't on tv in rte i think who else was in that group or what the hell was going on i feel like that game wasn't shown for some reason i i think it was actually the final game of the group i think it might have been scotland and holland and england were playing somebody else and I think if Scotland had got another goal, they would have gone through or something like that. You're right in some the, the, the big event or the, the tension was going on elsewhere. I can't remember who was in the who was who else was in that yeah, group. I, I should know. Really, it's not. I think it was England. It's not an era. I'm better at remembering. But. Yeah, I think I have a funny feeling mm. with something. That, I mean, I listen. I mean, I could have rewritten history. Maybe I just didn't watch it and I saw the highlights. But I feel like England like smashed Holland in that tournament, but it wasn't. Uh, 
it wasn't the big moment. I mean, it's possible I was out, right? Let's let's not rule out that possibility. But either way, uh, I think Ecuador Senegal is still the good choice uh, from the TV broadcaster's point of view, uh, and I think Ecuador are pretty good. Uh, I think they might be better than Senegal, um, but I suppose actually I need, to, I need to remind myself here. What's the what's the scenario with this game in terms of uh, Ecuador of four points, Senegal? Have three. They just need to draw Ecuador, don't they? So, yeah, yeah, yeah. I yeah. think Ecuador will get the draw. I think it'll be a one-all. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think they might nick a might be one of those ones where they nick a winner on the break or something like that. You yeah, know, from, I can see that. Yeah, if, if that's kind of a two, and I go with a two-one in Ecuador, and that it's uh, just to clarify that with if you were if you were out at Euro '96, that wouldn't have been certainly wasn't the Oasis nightclub to keep getting mentioned, given that you were possibly around 14 at that stage. Uh, it's a bit different in the northeast. To be fair, <laughs> I think it's worth, it's worth clarifying for anyone listening. <laughs> I, I moved on to adult discos at that stage, obviously. Um, yeah, maybe not. <laughs> excellent, excellent. Listen, then that's great. Thanks very much. We'll let you skate to Metro Station and uh, we'll talk to you tomorrow. Uh, that was in the World Cup. Watch us on YouTube, independent.ie, or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks. Mm-hmm.